Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Everybody, welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 16th. It is week 15. It is Wednesday. You know what that all means. We are talking fantasy football playoff semifinal rankings on this episode. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston all here to take you through and help you start getting your lineups right for week 15 and those playoff semifinals. Jake, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I got I told Bat on his show yesterday. I kind of got my second win, mostly because the waivers and rankings. Well, the rankings still involve the same amount of process, but the waivers at this point, Brandon knows because he edited it, is just kind of, hey, these guys matter. Everybody else doesn't at this point. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? We're at the end of the season. If you're still playing fantasy football, this is a very exciting time playing for championships. It's the holidays. It's just a great time of year. And for those of us in the fantasy football content creation uh, business, we are seeing a little bit of a break coming ahead of us in a couple of weeks. Brandon, got to imagine you're excited for that too. How you doing, my friend? Oh, yes. A little Christmas R&R. I am looking forward to it. And honestly, as much as I love fantasy, I love when we get down to the end of the season and we get into the the postseason and I just get to be a straight up fan again and just watch football from a, uh, you know, just from a fan's perspective. Yeah, I am right there with you. And Are you going to watch the playoffs on Nickelodeon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. See who gets I'll watch slimed. them wherever they're at. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to all of that. Looking forward to what should be a really fun AFC side of the playoffs. We'll have some playoff fantasy shows for you in a couple of weeks, meaning NFL playoff fantasy games. But right now we're focused on those fantasy football playoffs. We're going to jump into week 15 rankings. Guys, I thought what we did last week worked so well that we're going to run it back. So got it lined up for each one of you to take one player, one player, ping pong them back and forth. Same thing as last week. If you want to object to what your coworker is saying, just throw out a, a throw out an objection. We'll get to you. If you have nothing to object to, then we'll just move right on to the next player. And let's remember, we don't want to be here for two hours. So don't object, object. to every single player. Nope. <laughs> I'm not even going to let you object to that, Jake. Overruled. We're moving on <laughs> to the quarterback position. But Jake, you do get to go first here. Let's talk about Tom Brady. Buccaneers are in Atlanta to take on the Falcons. This week, Tom Brady, it's you know it's sort of been an odd season where at the end of games, he has mostly gotten you to where you expect him to be. It hasn't necessarily always been the prettiest watch, however, and there have been some games where he has come up woefully short of the expectations. What sort of week do we get out of Tom Brady this week? I think we get a QB1. I am slightly inside the top 10, mostly because he's facing Atlanta. That's the good side of it. And honestly, if Ronald Jones is out, then I might even think he goes a little bit higher because Leonard Fournette, we know, game day inactive, even despite the fact he was healthy. Uh, we have a situation besides that of LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn. So, And also you have like a little bit better pass catchers than Ronald Jones. But that all being said... You know, something we've been discussing this entire year is that the Atlanta defense against the run is a solid, not good. It's just solid, and it looks even better, as Brandon always says, because it's just so easy to pass on him. So it's double. Like, you, you get double down factors. Like, it's a good defense, but it makes it look better. So if you're going to beat Atlanta in Atlanta with Tom Brady, it's going to be on his arm. So I think you roll him out there as a top 10 play. I have him back to back with Justin Herbert, and that would be a tough decision if I happen to have both. Oh, here we go. Brandon, you get Justin Herbert. Uh, this is that? Thursday Teed Night it Football. Up for you. <laughs> Teed it up beautifully. Gotta love that. Thursday Night Football, Chargers and Raiders. Herbert's four of the uh, worst games have come over the last five weeks. Teams are adjusting to him, something that Jake has been pointing out over the last couple of weeks here. He did have a very nice game the first time he saw this Raiders defense, 326 yards and two touchdowns. Does he bounce back on Thursday night? 
Yeah, well, full disclosure, I do have Brady one spot ahead of Herbert right now. Um, but I'm talking about top eight quarterbacks on my rankings list. I have Herbert eighth. And uh, and so I'm feeling good about Herbert uh, in the sense that, man, he's throwing a ton right now. I think the big issue, and I, and I may have talked about this on our Monday show, is just the fact that they're not throwing deep with Herbert like they did early on uh, last three games. And you talk about this downturn. I think you can look directly at the fact that he just is not throwing the deep pass, and that could be related to Mike Williams just not being healthy. But you know, the Raiders is not a it's not a tough matchup. They got Austin Eckler back. You got a lot of playmakers for him still. They're throwing a ton. Uh, Herbert completed over eighty percent of his passes last week. Threw a couple of touchdowns. I feel good about him and just being able to deliver, you know, something in the two fifty and two touchdown range as a floor. And of course, we know he has a pretty high ceiling, and maybe we'll, he'll start to push back towards that as well. Yeah, got to imagine you would be pretty strong at the quarterback position if you were considering benching either of these first two guys, Tom Brady or Justin Herbert. And I wonder if the same goes for our next guy, one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league, Baker Mayfield. Over the last three games, Jake, 935 yards, better than 8.5 yards per attempt, eight touchdowns, just one interception, coming off that huge game against the Ravens, a tough loss, but certainly can't pin that anywhere near the way Baker played. He's got the Giants on Sunday night football this mm -hmm. week. Does he keep it rolling? I think he keeps it rolling to being a play. Uh, and I, well, that sounds a little bit vague, but I still put him in the wide, like wide receiver two, quarterback two conversation. <laughs> he's around. You know what? This is before where I wouldn't have even wanted to trust him. So he's moved up. But I'm still not going to put him in the conversation of, you know, Deshaun Watson, Taysom Hill, Tom Brady, those kind of guys. I think he falls in with the Jared Goff, who has a great matchup. I don't know. I didn't see it. Do we talk about it? No, we don't, we're not talking about Jared Goff. So good. Like Jared Goff, Phillip <laughs> Rivers, who's safer, who we talked about on Monday's show. It has a good matchup with Houston. Ben Roethlisberger, whose, you know, volume is carrying him in this, but in a, a weird passing situation. I think he deserves to be in that conversation. So that's actually a good thing for Baker because he wasn't there before. So the fact that he's up now with those guys I think is yeah he, you're kind of riding the streak but understanding with a lot of these quarterbacks in this range I mean one touchdown for any of these quarterbacks could be the difference between finishing quarterback 14 or quarterback 24. Yeah I love the way that this team this offense has been playing over the last month or so and I think they can keep it rolling in this game Sunday Night Football Browns and Giants did not see that coming in week six or week 15. Uh, Phillip Rivers, you mentioned him, Jake. We did talk about him on Monday, but I want to get back into him a little bit here on this ranking show. Brandon, another guy who has been very hot of late last five games, 1,420 yards, just shy of eight yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. The reemergence of T.Y. Hilton certainly has helped, gets a great matchup with Houston, 285 yards and two touchdowns the first time these two teams played. A uh, very simple question: Can he keep it rolling? Yeah, I mean, who's using Philip Rivers at this point? Maybe it's somebody who you know a couple weeks back picked him up because he liked the Houston matchup, and you got two eighty-five and two touchdowns, and uh, that's kind of been what Philip Rivers has been doing for like the last month, like two at two seventy-five, two eighty, two touchdowns, and I think. If you're still holding on to Phillip Rivers, that's basically what you're expecting. You get Houston again. Um, you, you mentioned they un unlocked T.Y. Hilton over the last few weeks. Jonathan Taylor is a legit threat in the backfield. I guess that's your only concern is this is just a, you know, they just continue to push more and more with Jonathan Taylor. He goes crazy, and maybe your volume for Phillip Rivers is something like, you know, last week where you're in the mid-20s. Uh, and then I just think, I'm speaking to the upside, there's just not a Phillip Rivers is going to win you a fantasy game upside, but there is is the he can just give you some serviceable numbers so that he won't lose it for you and I think that's where, where his value is all right let's get on to what's uh, one of the marquee games of the week we got the Chiefs and the Saints very obvious that you're starting one quarterback in this game but what about Taysom Hill Jake obviously if Taysom Hill is on your team he wasn't your starting quarterback all year so what would your other quarterback have to be for you to not want to play Taysom in this game uh, honestly top let's say 10 I have Taysom Hill right now, number 10, so top nine. That's how high he would have to be. It would have to be, here, I'll give you the list. Mahomes, Rodgers, Jackson, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Tannehill, Herbert, Brady. That's it. As in, I'm starting over Deshaun Watson against Indianapolis. Uh, we just saw, I, men I mentioned it on last week's show, I mentioned on Monday's show, how much Indianapolis got after Deshaun Watson. If Brandon Cooks plays, I feel a little bit better about it, but 
He's right there with Deshaun Watson. You got to start him. The rushing upside is terrific, and he's throwing more the past two games, and he's throwing touchdowns on top of it. And by the way, you might be able to ride him right through your fantasy championship because it doesn't sound like Drew Brees is like it's like definitely out for week 15. Potentially, it sounds like they might even hold him out for week 16 as well and just hope he's back for the playoffs. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense, especially with them now chasing the Packers. Uh, if you if you feel like you can't quite get over that hump uh, with yeah. the way the Packers' schedule is shaping up, then really no reason to force Drew Brees back onto the field. You just take whoever you get in the first round of the playoffs, and I think that's a fair spot for Taysom Hill. Uh, Brandon, I didn't set this up for you to kind of get the boring guys on purpose. But I that, know. That I was, yeah. was going to bring that up, Michael. Yeah. You, give me, you give me another boring guy in the Philip Rivers vein. In, yeah, in Kirk I know. Well, that's here. sort of the way yeah, it ended, but I Hold on. This is your guys, Brandon. This is like this is your bread and butter this year. You well, love these he's guys. He's not giving me a Derek Carr here. I mean, come on, throw me a Derek Carr. Why don't you? But no. Well, let me um, let me just say that while Kirk Cousins is boring, I think that he is an interesting guy to talk about this week. It's uh, a tough matchup on paper against the Bears. You probably don't feel great about him at coming off one of the bad Kirk weeks, which we know are always looming and seemingly can strike regardless of opponent. Uh, but the first game against the Bears. Kirk Cousins looked pretty good, and you might forget it because it was a it was a night game. It was an ugly game from the Bears' perspective. It was just nineteen to thirteen as the final score, so nothing really jumps out at you. But Kirk Cousins threw for two hundred ninety-two yards, better than eight yards per attempt, and two touchdowns in that game. And I mean, that is a huge, huge win against this Bears team. I'm going to ask you the reverse of what I just asked Jake with Taysom Hill. Taysom <laughs> Hill's more up in a higher echelon, so you have to sort of ask who can you start over him. With Kirk Cousins, it is who are you starting him over? Like, what are some inter- like? Are you starting him over Philip Rivers? Are you starting him over Matt Ryan? Guys like that. Um, I actually am not. I just you know you you mentioned a little bit of a downturn last week on his role. I, the Bears are one of the very best uh, in fantasy at limiting quarterback production. I think you know I don't know that you're going to get more than two touchdowns out of Kirk Cousins this week, and I don't know if you're going to get to the two ninety that you got last time they played. So. Um, I have him 19th right now, so I guess, you know, that's he's kind of on the edge, and I haven't finished all my rankings, but you start getting into the, you know, the Drew Locks and the Nick Mullins and the Andy Daltons of the world that I'm not playing him over. Um, obviously, I, I've got Matt Stafford ranked down below because we don't know where he's at, but yeah, I, I think he's the last of the okay, he might give me something you know, I don't feel terrible about him. Um, there's not a huge downside. And I think you, once you get past him, you start going, okay, these guys could really, you know, end up giving me nothing. I need to be a little bit concerned about them. So that's kind of where I'm at. Just, just borderline top 20. Other interesting quarterbacks that we don't have time to talk about here because we talked about them on Monday. Jalen Hurts, Mitch Trubisky, Ben Roethlisberger. If you do have questions about them, go check out our Monday episode. It's all time-stamped on the Athletic app. Check it out. Listen to them there. We got a lot of quarterbacks that we wanted to get to. We got a lot of other positions we want to get to. So Wait, and go since check we didn't those have guys any out if you have a about them. We didn't have any yeah. disagreements, Mike, so I want to bring this up. Where do you think I have Trubisky? Fine. I'm going to say you have Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, Jake usually has his rankings ready, but a uh, little uh, tech snafu uh, doesn't have him ready just yet. I'm going to say you have Mitch Trubisky as QB 15. Too low. QB 12. Ooh. QB 12? Going, going, going down with the ship. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you're going down with the ship there. Uh, so what, Trubisky or Hurts, who are you playing between those two? Trubisky by one spot. I just have a feeling with Hurts, look, it was majority the run game. Arizona can get after the quarterback. And, you know, Hurts will take off and run. So that's the downside. But this is part of the reason I also like the Arizona defense as a streamer this week is because similar to Kyler Murray, when you face him, he can still put up the numbers, but he also gives up sacks. And if you're going to put Hurts under pressure – and instead of running, he decides to just tuck it and throw. Well, instead of tucking it and running, I just I could see some turnovers this week. I'm in on Hurst. He's at 13. He's still right behind him. Yeah. But if I'm going for my playoff game, I'm going Trubisky over Hurts. Mitch Trubisky, mm. Jalen Hurts, trusting them in the semifinals of the fantasy football playoffs just shows you how many options we have at the quarterback position this week. It's insane. All right, guys, let's get on over to running backs. This is a question for both of you. I want both of you to answer this. Look at this, guys. Look how this worked out. Week 15, here we are. We were talking months ago about what a great class of rookie running backs we have. And then basically all of them started the season incredibly slowly in minor roles in their offense. Some of them had to deal with injuries. But now here we are, week 15. And if you have Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, any of those four, you are absolutely starting them. Don't worry about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We're going to talk about him in a second. But this one is for both of you. Uh, Brandon, why don't you take it first? 
Which one of those four guys has the best day this week? Well, I actually, I think it's not even close. I think it's Jonathan Taylor, um, who I have as a top five or top six running back this week. Given the matchup, given the way he's performed the last couple of weeks. Um, look, at we were talking about David Montgomery and Jonathan Taylor early in the season. Like, oh, look at their playoff schedules. Well, they've, they were playoff time, and it's happening. These guys have absolutely taken off and Jonathan Taylor has been right there with Montgomery but you get Houston and so I have him ranked top six this week I have the other guys outside my top 12 although just barely so I think the bigger question is Dobbins Akers or Swift who I by the way have back to back to back in my rankings see I'm with you and easily Jonathan Taylor but I don't have the others back to back to back because I have Akers as top 12 and I will play him over Josh Jacobs at this point it's Dobbins and Swift who are back to back down in the 16 17 range but there they yeah, are I go yeah I go 13 14 15 on those guys Akers 13 Dobbins 14 and Swift 15 and it's crazy it's like they're all they are all last year Miles Sanders with the way that this no this, late is, this season is surged. this is like Miles Sah, like we we didn't get it. This is, this wasn't like <laughs> we like week eight and on. Yeah, it, was like it wasn't week eight or nine. Nine. It was like we were we were hoping for the fight. My guy, I have a friend in my home league. It's it's a keeper league, and he drafted both Acres and Taylor, and he was the second leading scorer last week. <laughs> Not in the playoffs by, by two points. I got a, I got a better name for him. They're Kilometer Sanders. There you go. Oh, That's not quite miles. <laughs> very good. Look at that. Wait, isn't a kilometer shorter than a mile? Yeah, that's why I'm saying that's Miles saying. had a longer stretch. Yeah, these guys are oh, longer. These guys are uh, okay, I was thinking earlier in yeah. the year, so I went the other way with it. Okay, <laughs> I up, like it. Keep I like up, it. Jay. Keep up. Keep up here. <laughs> Shorter stretch. We're yeah. gonna do. We're gonna do a uh, a quiz on units of measure on the next episode of the. I was uh, right. I was just thinking podcast. of it the other way around. I was right. I yeah, knew no. it. <laughs> that's what we're saying. Keep up. Keep up. Here you go. Here's the next thing to you. Uh, you wrote about Leonard Fournette in your rankings column. Even though the rankings aren't that, we've got the, the column part of it. Say Leonard Fournette if Ronald. Jones can't go. You don't trust him. You think he's still a fade. Why yeah. is that the case? No, it's a couple things. Right now, I do have Ronald Jones in there because I don't want to get all the questions. Where would you rank Ronald Jones if he does play? <laughs> like, I updated all league for you guys. Uh, so, Leonard Fournette, I'm staying away because I'm staying away from the Bengals' backfield. Staying away from the Jets' backfield. What do a lot of these backfields have in common? We don't know who's going to be the lead. And even if we did, who the hell cares? That's because that's how bad it is. Who cares? Leonard Fournette we would assume even with the healthy and active would be the lead because out of LaShawn McCoy, Keyshawn Vaughn and Leonard Fournette, we know he's the best option, but you can't trust it. And again, who knows if he even gets 12 touches as the lead. So bad matchup on top of it. Well, not as bad. We already covered that. It's not as bad as it looks on paper, but it's not a great matchup. We'll put it that way. So I think it'll be a passing game anyway. Ronald Jones, I would have as a solid RB too, if he's out there, if not just completely fade this backfield. All right, here's the other rookie running back to get to, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Crazy that he's the one who's really not even in that discussion earlier, and I know you guys both had Jonathan Taylor as the comfortable winner between that quartet of other rookie running backs, but my guess is that you also all have both have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ranked fifth out of those rookie running backs. Chiefs are in New Orleans to take on the Saints this week. Brandon, love the passing game involvement for Edwards-Hilaire last week. Five grabs and six targets for 69 yards. Is that something you think can stick around this week against the Saints? I think that's something he could do every week. I mean, it's just up to whether they want to do it or not. I mean, he's, he's excellent in the passing game, and uh, Pat Mahomes is best quarterback in the league. So, yeah, I mean, it's always available. It's a tough matchup this week, the toughest for running backs. And I think you are what your numbers say you are at this point, and, and that for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a, you know, volume, volatility, back-end RB2. And uh, some some weeks they just completely ignore the the running back position altogether. In some weeks, like last week, you get 21 touches from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I think you bake in the, the that bit of unknown with the volatility and how they're going to use their backfield from week to week, and you you put them in the back end of your RB two class. And and yes, he's definitely fifth among all rookies, and by and by a wide margin in my mind. Yeah, it's uh, crazy that this is what it's come to, right, with uh, Clyde yeah. Edwards-Hilaire going in the first round in fantasy drafts and now just fifth among rookies, let alone where he is 
at the running back position, but still going to be probably started by most of his managers this week. Uh, speaking of that, speaking of maybe tough decisions, I've got a couple of running backs, one for each of you to tackle, who would seemingly have been, no doubt about it, starters, but maybe you're thinking about twice them here this week, and that, that wasn't the greatest sentence I've ever spoken in my life, which just goes to show you how confusing these two running backs have been this season. Jake, I want to start with you and James Conner at the Bengals the Steelers are, and James Conner, just, it just hasn't been there for him now for a while. Again, you would have to be very deep at the running back position if you're thinking about sitting down Conner. What does a realistic team look like that can sit Conner down? You know what? I don't know that you have to be that deep, at least for me. Maybe I'm the crazy one saying so, but I right now in my rankings, James Conner is down at 24, and I would be able to go out there and say if there is no Mostert, I'll I'll get Shanahan again, again, rather than going back to James Conner right now. That entire backfield looks miserable. James Conner does not look 100%. I don't care what the reports are this week. He's still going to lose touches, even if he is, to Benny Snell at the goal line. And this is a pass-happy offense that's trying to produce an offense based in the passing game. So I'll go back to Edwards Allaire, who we were just talking about, Melvin Gordon, Wayne Gallman. These are all guys in front of him. James Conner is RB24. And if you want to start, I look, Hunt Hines right behind him, go ahead. McKissick, half full PPR, go right ahead. Like There's a lot of guys right behind him that... I wouldn't even argue against Gus Edwards. Great matchup. If you really want to go that, you know you're chasing a touchdown. But if you want to, go right ahead. I have no confidence in starting James Conner right now. Brandon, same question to you. The running back for you, however, is Ezekiel Elliott. We know Tony Pollard's getting a little bit more work. Dallas's offense is a mess. Uh, what would you have to have to be sitting Zeke down this week? Yeah, I think it's a lot similar to what Jake just said. I was looking at my rankings. And, you know, and they, they won the game 30 to 7 last week and Ezekiel Elliott's been dealing with a calf injury and they, they were, you know, it was a good opportunity to let Tony Pollard get some run in the second half of that game, but I think, you know, a, a realistic team is someone that, you know, you don't have double stars most likely like an Ezekiel Elliott and Aaron Jones and a Nick Chubb, but you know, a, a team could have a, one of those rookies we've been talking about or a James Robinson or a Mike Davis. Um, so if you have with some of those rookies and maybe a James Robinson or a Mike Davis, you're sitting Ezekiel Elliott because I, I have Ezekiel Elliott higher than James than Jake has James Conner. But I'm, you know, I'm, I think right now I'm 17 on Ezekiel Elliott. So um, those are all guys that I just mentioned that I would play ahead of him this week. Jake, you referenced uh, those Shanahanigans. Let's get into them with Jeff Wilson at Dallas on the other side of this game from Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, you know, I, I guess I was going to say we're just going to assume for the sake of conversation Raheem Mostert is out, but you know, we don't need to necessarily assume that. I mean, it's obviously a much more interesting discussion for Jeff Wilson managers if Raheem Mostert is out. But uh, what are your thoughts on him, I guess, with and without Mostert? Are you comfortable playing him, <laughs> even knowing, knowing what Kyle Shanahan is, if Mostert is down? Really, you use the word comfortable with Kyle Shanahan? I'm going to use the word comfortable, absolutely. <laughs> you should never use the word comfortable, and that's, <laughs> we know exactly that's why. So here's what it comes to. I'm going to go back to what we said on the Monday show, which you said if you haven't listened, you know, go back, and if people are lazy, then they don't have to because I'll give you what I said. At this point, <laughs> Jeff Wilson's getting the carries inside the five-yard line, and at this point, even if Mostert's healthy, it's a 50-50 split. I'm taking Wilson. I'll rank Wilson ahead of Mostert if Mostert plays, and if Mostert is out, as just mentioned, Jeff Wilson sneaks inside my top 20 range, and I understand not wanting to play him, but the usage is there. If you don't want to get bit and you have a lot of people that are going out there to go, yes, Jeff Wilson, I've seen them in the rankings, comments, and stuff like that. You have better options. If nothing else, I will say this too. If you have better options and you don't want to trust Jeff Wilson, no problem. Still go grab him just to prevent your opponent from playing him against you. Like Go block your opponent. Don't just let him stand out there because you don't need him. It's crazy, right? I mean, that Jeff Wilson is now in this discussion alongside Raheem Mostert, and you guys had a good uh, talk about these two guys and your differences of opinion on Wilson and Mostert if both of them are out there. That was, again, in Monday's show. Brandon, let's talk about David Johnson. How about that? That sounds good. <laughs> Expected return from the COVID list this week, and David Johnson is basically exactly what we expect him to be every single week, sort of along the uh, Todd Gurley pre-injury lines, uh, what James Conner had been earlier in the season. Uh, first game against India a couple weeks ago, David Johnson was in there before he went on the COVID list. 10 carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown. If you were starting David Johnson and someone said to you right now, Brandon, you can take that, 44 yards and a touchdown, I'll give you that, or you roll the dice and see if you can do better, what are you doing? I'd take it. 
I mean, he doesn't have much more of an upside. He's been averaging right at that number in half PPR leagues. That's 10.4 points per game, uh, actually 10.8 points per game. And what he did that in that game was 10.4. So he's right there. He's basically Lamar Miller in this offense from a few years <laughs> back. I mean, you know, that's he, doing Lamar Miller things. When you need 20 points, Lamar Miller will get you 10 and a half, you know. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of where you're at with him. He's going to be a back-end RB2. He doesn't have a huge ceiling, but he's been consistent. There's some value in knowing that you can plug a guy in and get, you know, just low-level double-digit fantasy points in half PPR formats, and I think, you know, that would be my expectations for him this week against uh, Indy in the rematch. Even though it's a tough matchup, even though there really isn't a whole lot of ceiling there, you also take a little bit of solace in the fact that when David Johnson has been healthy, hasn't really given too many carries away to Duke Johnson. Duke still retains the role Just wish he got more in the passing game. In the passing game, yeah, exactly. Duke takes away that passing game role, but it is still David Johnson as the lead runner and comfortably the lead runner. So the volume, at least, should be there. We'll see what happens if maybe Indy runs away with that one. Uh, It feels like forever, you guys, since we've seen the Patriots. And I don't know why it doesn't feel like that with the Rams. I mean, they both played against each other on Thursday Night Football a week ago. But when I was putting this together, I was like, man, like did the Patriots have a bye right before this? Why does it feel Hmm. like I've barely seen them over the last couple of weeks? They did not. They had their bye back in like week eight or something. But anyways, Damian Harris is the uh, player up here for discussion. Jake, 11 carries in that game on Thursday Night Football against the Rams. Did well with them. Turned it into 50 yards, but Sony Michelle was involved. It was the first game that Sony Michelle was back, and it was uh, Damian Harris' least active game in a couple of weeks. Does that concern you going into this matchup with the Dolphins? It's the section of where it came from in the waiver section of Patriots games. You know, I was fine using Damian Harris, similar to a lot of the years of over the Patriots. I'm fine when it's down to two people. When it's down to two people, get in on it. You, you know, one's being used one way, the other's being used, whether to go back to like Garrett Blunt, you know, James White with his role, like, you know, two options, you know what you're going to get. It's similar, I honestly, like the 49ers. If you had only two, you could probably roll both of them out there. Uh, Damian Harris losing some of those touches to Sony Michelle now getting back involved. Uh, James White still has his role, but here's the biggest issue. Put Tom Brady back there, and all three of them might be in play, depending on where you're at in some leagues. Uh, you put Cam Newton at quarterback, as we've seen, all three of them are barely usable. I would go Damian Harris highest, but I don't even feel great about that. And the only reason I even like Damian Harris a bit is because I think the the Patriots control this game easily because of the the truth about Belichick. It's the narrative of he destroys rookie quarterbacks, but it's just he's a great game schemer and getting the opponent to make mistakes on offense and who's the easiest person to make a mistake a rookie quarterback so it is a it's a narrative but it's also it's there's truth behind this one given the way things are shaping up in the AFC this is a huge huge game for the Dolphins and definitely feels like a risky spot with Bill Belichick getting to scheme a defense for the Tungavailoa-led Dolphins offense. Let's go to Sunday Night Football. One of the reasons this is a huge game for the Dolphins is because those Browns, even after that loss, still sitting at 9-4 and four in the AFC, looking comfortable playoff uh, team. On the other side this week, they get the Giants and Brandon. We talked about this Giants team on Monday, wondering if we can think about anyone in this offense besides Wayne Gallman. So let's focus on Wayne Gallman here Could this offense fall apart? Is this offense, just the bottom dropping out, being enough of a risk for you to want to sit down Gallman or feel concerned about playing Gallman? Yeah, I'll answer for you, Jake. It could absolutely (laughs) fall apart, right? It it absolutely could fall apart. But uh, And this is a tough matchup for Gallman in terms of just, you know, the Cleveland run defense. But one thing I expect about Cleveland and Baker Mayfield is they'll play to their competition. And, you know, they played a lot of one-score games uh, if you look at their schedules, you know. Uh, So I expect that this will end up being close. The, The worry would be if Cleveland got out ahead by a long shot because Gallman hasn't done a whole lot in the passing game. But the, he's managed to get, I think, 15 touches in six of the last seven games, and the one he didn't was 13. So 15 touches, that's a that's a play for me. And, you know, there's been a decent amount of touchdowns scored for him along the way. So, um, you know, he's back-end RB2. I feel, I feel good about volume and getting to another 15 touches in this game. I don't see there's a ton of upside. But, again, he's, he's managed to – to be serviceable in even, you know, his bad games. So uh, I would expect the same this week. I have my first problem on the show. Oh, and, let's hear oh. it. No, my only problem is that you're not using the past tense. It already fell apart. 
That's my only problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good point. That's actually a good point. I'll, uh, I'll have to, if you, know, if, if you jumped into the sheet earlier, Jake, it's 1130 in the morning where you are. You have plenty of time. If you jump in there a little earlier, you could have changed the tense. So oh, it was about you. It was actually, that was Fonston yeah. on that one. So, yeah. No, that was no, no, no. that was no. I know, was but was I was me. waiting for I was waiting for you, Brandon, to correct him and then like say it already oh. fell apart. <laughs> well, right. I said I was answering for you and saying it absolutely can and will, uh, or actually didn't it say it will, has. but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It are either way. <laughs> if either Daniel way. Jones is at quarterback, stay away. Okay, backup plan, <laughs> stay away. Hey, Colt McCoy, stay away. Either way, but Wayne Gallman, those fifteen touches could still shape up nicely for him against the Browns. Gus Edwards has only had 15 touches once in a game this season, but still has found ways to be, at the very least, a thorn in fantasy manager's side, and at the mm-hmm. most, someone who you actually trot out into your starting lineup over these last two weeks. Jake, he's had seven carries in both of the Ravens' games. The first one, 101 yards on the ground. The second one, 49 yards and two touchdowns. The guy just seems to find a way to make plays every single week. This week against the Jaguars, the Ravens are favored by two touchdowns. Is there enough room in the offense for him alongside J.K. Dobbins to the point where you would play him in your fantasy matchup semifinals? I would. There's certainly risk here because you're talking about a limited amount of touches, but here's the good news. Mark Ingram's healthy last week, didn't touch the ball. That's all you need to know. We're down to two people. We're down to J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to complement each other. Gus Edwards, similar to the Jeff Wilson argument that I was having, the one thing we certainly know, he's running the ball. He's running the ball also all the time when they're inside the five-yard line. The only person he has to worry about is Lamar Jackson, honestly. And Lamar Jackson does more of his running from outside the five and the ten than usually in that range, smartly for this team. But, yeah, Gus Edwards could easily, against Jacksonville, walk in to two touchdowns again this week. I would play J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards even if I own both. I'd probably play them on the same team as my RB2 and 3. Yeah, this is, uh, it just got the feeling of a game, another one of those games where the Ravens are going to pile up like 279 yards. Oh, this is going to be so much ground, Minshew garbage right? time. I'm hoping, I, <laughs> I, this is going to be so fun. <laughs> uh, and we are going to get to some Minshew garbage time potential and what that means in just a second here. But man, I mean, those Ravens, they are going to be running all over, at least as we expect, uh, against those Jaguars this week. All right, wide receiver time now, you guys. Let's start off with a, a couple of groups I want to talk about here. And believe it or not, one of them's not going to be Pittsburgh. We've done that just enough this season. Brandon, you first. Simple question. Are you playing your Buccaneers receivers against the Falcons? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't. What would give me pause on that? Play them all. Uh, well, you know, Antonio Brown, um, you know, that's a – He's a little bit more of a deeper pull, but uh, I feel good about Evans and Godwin for sure. All right, uh, Jake, Dallas receivers, a little bit tougher of a discussion here. Really, we're focusing on Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. You playing them against San Francisco? I would play two out of the three. I'd still probably. So if you want the floor, I'm going to C.D. Amari Cooper's in play. And Mari Cooper has actually been pretty damn consistent, especially even with Dalton, at quarterback. So he's a lock at this point. Uh, but it, when it comes down to the other two, if I want the floor, it's Lamb. If I want the boomer bust, it's Gallup. Because the t- completely different roles, and that's not a surprise to anybody out there that knows this team and knows football. And C.D. Lamb, as we saw, I could keep going back to that Baltimore game at the beginning, and he was just getting peppered. And then they adjusted, and you know they fell behind, that being the Cowboys, and they started playing catch-up, and you saw more opportunities for Gallup, the bigger plays, the potential touchdown. So against San Francisco, I think it'll be close throughout, mostly because of how these teams match up. So I think C.D. Lamb's going to get his, but if you're going for hopefully like a 480 and a touchdown, then I would chase Gallup. All right, here's part of that Minshew garbage time. And Jake, I'm sorry, man. You get to talk about DJ Chark all too often. We know what you think about DJ Chark. We know what you think about Gardner Minshew. So I'm oh, a yeah. brand to weigh in on DJ Chark. You've had you've had your, your I Chark already poured time. one out for Minshew Chark time. season. Just, there you go. See, yeah. So you've you've had yeah. it from really every every single possible point of view. You have had your say on DJ Chark. So Brandon, we know what this situation is. Could be a whole lot of garbage time. Gardner Minshew back. Good news for DJ Chark. I mean, this was someone who we were drafting as a top 20, 24 wide receiver, and a lot of it was because of what these two did last season. So are you comfortable just throwing them right back into your starting lineup, even though the production hasn't been there for a while now? No, absolutely not. And there's no comfort and uh, DJ Chark do not go together at all. It's two words that shouldn't be in the same sentence. Um, look, he's had two games of 24 plus uh, half PPR points and like, 
what, seven games of eight or less. And, you know, the last two games he's played, he's caught four or 16 targets. And it's been a mixed bag with Gardner Minshew, Jake Luton, uh, Mike Glennon. It's been a roller coaster ride of more downs than ups. And so, look, you can look at his ceiling because of the volume, because of the big play potential due to his athleticism and say in a game where you are a prohibitive underdog and you just need you need massive upside over you know i don't i don't know someone who's very boring who gives you you know just you know the baseline serviceability every week maybe you throw him in over that guy but otherwise you got to recognize the downside is you could get five points you know two catches 30 yards and uh you know that's just kind of what you're gonna go for but there's a big play upside so maybe you roll the dice if you're in a tough spot Got to imagine that the volume is going to be there. It certainly was. Even Justin Minshew's, I believe, like 20-whatever passes he threw in relief of Mike Glennon last week. DJ Chark got up to nine targets, had some end zone targets. Nothing clicked, but maybe with Minshew in there for a full game, things will click against the Ravens. On the other side, Jake, we get another one of your guys from uh, back in the offseason who did not quite have the season. A lot of people expected, and I'll throw myself in there. I thought we were going to see a big step forward from Marquise Brown, but... He's been getting the job done over the last few weeks. Touchdowns in three straight games. Over those three games, 11 catches, 164 yards, and the three scores. We know last week against the Browns, it came very late. It came on a broken play where Lamar Jackson made something happen, but still got the job done at the end of the day. Where does Marquise Brown sit for you on the wide receiver landscape this week? I think he's low-end wide receiver three for the upside. The issue here is twofold. is You're getting saved by these touchdowns. Uh, unless you're the guy in my home league who got kicked out. But he had J.K. Dobbins and was fine, was cruising along until that touchdown lost by four points. This is the half has people. Uh, at least you're not the people that lost the bet, Beller. You remember you know, the <laughs> yeah. safety that cost all the people the money on the cover. So on the flip side, you know, Marquise Brown, I'm a little bit more concerned than what we've seen recently because it is Jacksonville. Because if we assume this game goes how we expect, we expect the Ravens to be in control. So that lessens the opportunity for Marquise Brown to hit because he's not going to have targets because let's be honest about that game. Even we're talking about 40 points on both sides of the ball. The Ravens didn't want to pass. <laughs> Lamar Jackson was running like mm-hmm. nobody's business, barely throwing the ball. And it was Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, a few checkdowns here and there, a few throws here and there. So if that game doesn't go bananas... Does Barkeys Brown even get that opportunity, and will he do that against Jacksonville? So there's my concern. Is that's why I still have him as a low-end wide receiver three because it's ex- it's about as boom or bust as you can get. Definitely a fair concern. That's always a fair concern for Marquise Brown. Yeah, on the other side of that, maybe to a certain extent, at least on the other side of that in the wide receiver three group is where we find Cole Beasley, a guy who has worked his way into a very steady role in Buffalo's offense. Brandon, he's got double-digit targets in three of his last four games. This is a Saturday night game. Don't forget, we haven't talked about any players in this game just yet or in these games. We have two Saturday games this week, uh, Panthers and Packers, and then Broncos and Bills. So, Brandon, Cole Beasley, I mean, is he just someone who you're default starting at this point with the way he's played, the role he has, and what has become a very pass-friendly offense? Yeah, I think early in the year you were looking specifically for teams that struggled in slot coverage, and then you would throw him in there. Um, but now you're looking at the volume and the fact that kind of like Kansas City, they just they don't really care about their backfield a whole lot, and they're just letting Josh Allen do his thing. And um, you look at that. You mentioned the double digit targets in three of the last four. At this point, I think he's still a wide receiver three, but you're but you're just you know you're kind of just throwing him in there. And I don't think the Denver matchup. You look, it's been a mixed bag, and Jake has a number maybe on the on the slot uh, percentage uh, for the Denver defense yeah, Jake, and. And how they've done, but you know, just looking across what they've done with slot receivers, I can just see that they've, you know, it's been, you know, there's been plenty of slot receivers that have had success against them. So I wouldn't worry too much. Cole Beasley, I think, has been top twenty over the last five weeks, and uh, at worst, you're putting him no worse than a wide receiver three. I think, in terms of consideration this week, <laughs> got that slot right there, Jake. Uh, do, do you not want it? Because <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Still, want oh, Denver. It. Denver pretty good. Well, and and they're out Bouye too, right? So I mean, I just think Denver's, Denver's kind of just been Denver's twenty waning twenty fifth and allowing yards to re- slot wide receivers, and have only allowed five receiving touchdowns to slot wide receivers. Second lowest. Ooh. Still mm. playing Cole Beasley though, right, Brandon? <laughs> I'm st- but, still playing him. That's 
not dissuaded by that at all. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me give you maybe. Let's go back to week. Let's say week eleven. Let's see if we can get Denver better. Maybe that's recently. There you go. It's, it's your recency bias. They're number eight. There, there you go. Thirty-seven and a half percent of their yards to slot wide receiver since week eleven. Wow, look at that. So they're not now with Cole Beasley. We're just we're smashing the yes button on Cole <laughs> Beasley against the Broncos this week. On the other side of this game, Jake, we find Tim Patrick, wide receiver 34 in half PPR scoring this season. Uh, it seems like he's finally just getting his attention now. He has been relatively touchdown dependent, six scores this season, three of those coming over the last two weeks. So perhaps that is why he is now getting his most attention of the season, but where does he sit for you? Like, look at these guys we've talked about, right? Shark, Brown, Beasley, Patrick. You could above, say that they're above. relatively close to one another in the rankings. We know that Shark would be first for you, but nope. are you playing Patrick over Brown, Beasley? I'm, no, Shark wouldn't be first for you. No, Shark's not first for me. No, I told you. I poured one out. <laughs> we, we talked about it on Monday. He's not on the same page, no matter who the quarterback. He hasn't been on the same page as a quarterback since week three and weeks four, five, six, even before Minshew got hurt, are Minshew. He's just something's not clicking with him in offense this year. So no, Charles. So then is it Patrick? So Tim Patrick is, yeah, he's all the way up at 32 for me. Tim Patrick was the reason he's one of the players and the reason I created I tried to tell you in the waiver section. And it's <laughs> not like I tried to tell you. That's not a victory lap for everybody out there that's never seen it or doesn't know what it is. And it's not I tried to tell you, like, you know, pick him up. I tried to tell you. It's I tried to tell you is I have nothing left to say. Like Tim Patrick was in the waiver column for like five straight weeks, still under 30% rostered. And it's just at what point I'm just like, I don't know what else to tell you. There's nothing more to say. Mm -hmm. Go pick up Tim Patrick. If you don't want him, you don't want him. Tim Patrick is the most disrespected wide receiver in fantasy this year. There's no question about it. He's still a wide receiver three because you mentioned it. It's the boomer bust. He has some low games. He has some very low games. And part of it's Drew Locke. And some of it's some that Drew Locke wasn't even there. So he's got that floor ceiling. But honestly... His upside and is similar to Marquise Brown, and he's got the better floor. So I'm playing him over Marquise Brown. I'm playing him over all these guys we've talked about so far. And him and Nelson Aguilar aren't too dissimilar. I right, hear someone who you're definitely not playing him over, or at least two guys who you're not playing him over. <laughs> and this one's really just for fun. Brandon Ayuk and Justin Jefferson, just unbelievable seasons that these two guys have put together. What a run Justin Jefferson's on been really since the entire season. Uh, Brandon Ayuk more recently, but what a just a uh, game after game after game that Brandon Ayuk has been putting together here. Both these guys are comfortable starters. What I want to ask you about these two guys, Brandon, is not about this week, but let's just for the hell of it take a look forward to 2021. Uh, we're actually in the middle of a 2021 mock draft that is going to run on the Athletic very soon. Justin Jefferson went as the wide receiver 12, the 10th pick in the third round, and then just one, two, three, four picks later, or say three picks later, because it was on the turn, our buddy Jake here took Brandon Ayuk as the wide receiver 15, the two receivers in between them, Keenan Allen and Julio Jones. Who do you think goes higher in 2021, Jefferson or Ayuk? Yeah, I think we got it right with that. I think Jefferson goes ahead of him, and no knock on Brandon Ayuk. But what what we know about Justin Jefferson is he's probably going into almost uh, the same situation next year. Brandon Ayuk has been great, but it's been without George Kittle in that offense, been without Debo Samuel a lot of times in that offense, it's been without uh, a full complement of running backs and without their starting quarterback. So there's a lot of there's a lot that could change in terms of the overall landscape for the 49ers that might, you know, pull some of the volume that Brandon Ayuk's been seeing or just kind of run some more interference. I think Justin Jefferson has a clearer path to just being kind of, you know, a volume the volume being there for him where I you know I again I, we're talking wide receiver 12 next year versus wide receiver 15 picked within a four pick stretch and I think that's fair I just would definitely lean Justin Jefferson because I think the 2021 picture is a little bit clearer for him another rookie receiver to talk about here and who's going to be fun to think about in 2021 is Michael Pittman he's got this great matchup as we've talked about for so many different Colts Jake going up against those Houston Texans, but that reemergence of T.Y. Hilton has clouded the picture for Michael Pittman. Can he get some attention from Phillip Rivers this week, attention that will translate into fantasy viability? I think so. I brought him up in the waiver column that he's still sitting out there, and the fact that T.Y. Hilton's emergence could be a good thing for Michael Pittman and you know pulling some of the coverage off of him uh, because Michael Pittman started getting, you know, when T.Y. Hilton was struggling this year and the way that they were using T.Y. Hilton, the, the Colts were making it easy. We've talked about this a lot, and I keep bringing this up, is that they were making it easy on defenses because it was just bring a corner off the line, put him 10, 15 yards off, and just sit on top of T.Y. Hilton. And the way that they were asking him to run routes was just like, okay, thanks. You know, we'll just sit over top of him. He's not going to run past us anymore. 
And now when Michael Pittman started getting the attention, they started using T.Y. Hilton better. You see that T.Y. Hilton's been able to be T.Y. Hilton of what we used to know in a different way. But Pittman can bounce back. I don't think he'll get quite into the top 25 for the rest of the way, but it's a good spot for him to be able to get more open and more opportunities because the Houston secondary is just abysmal. And I mean, even if you wanted to bracket him, yeah, I think he'd still be able to get a play against Houston. And my point being is they're not going to because they have to give attention to Hilton now again. The other side of this game, Brandon, we do find Kiki Kuti. The first time these two teams met, that was the Kiki Kuti breakout. The first game after Will Fuller's suspension, Kuti gets eight catches on nine targets for 141 yards. Things slowed down for him significantly a week ago against the Bears, but he did get into the end zone in that game. I mean, do the two games that he's played without Will Fuller say it all in terms of whether you're playing him or not against the Colts? Well, I think it, he's ill-suited to be the guy that the defense is going to focus on in the passing game, and we saw that last week with Brandon Cooks out. So it looks like Brandon Cooks is going to play. I would feel I feel better uh, about him not having to be the number one guy. And but I don't, you know, I'm not expecting eight catches for 141 yards again. So um, you know, if you if you're asking me. Couture or Cole Beasley, I'm going Cole. I'm going Cole Beasley. So you know, I'm probably, I'm hoping to maybe get myself out of the volatility of Kiki Couture for someone a little bit safer. And so I'm, I'm as a as a manager, I'll be looking to, you know, talk myself out of Couture. But I don't think he's the worst play if you do end up having to plug him in there. I just, you know, I think he's. I haven't finished my wide receiver rankings, but I'm guessing he's sort of towards the back end of my top forty. One more wide receiver to talk about before we wrap up the position. Jake, you get it, and it is Curtis Samuel. Again, this is one of those two Saturday games, Panthers and Packers. Curtis Samuel has scored at least 10.2 half PPR points in six of his last seven games. We know this team likes to get him involved on the ground. That has been especially true in the uh, majority of the season in which Christian McCaffrey hasn't played, and that is going to be the case yet again here in Week 15. Is that recent track record, Jake, enough to make him a starter? I think he's a starter if DJ Moore doesn't return. There's reports that DJ Moore could be back. So DJ Moore would be into the 20s. Robbie Anderson would be number one. DJ Moore, number two. Curtis Samuel now down in the 30s, probably lower 30s. If there is no DJ Moore, he's back to where I had him last week, that being Curtis Samuel, kind of in that mid-20s. So basically just take DJ Moore's spot. So yeah, absolutely. And he's still playable, even if DJ Moore's out there, but just less so. He, he kind of falls into the conversation of, People we've been talking about already, like T. Higgins. Well, we didn't bring up T. Higgins, I don't think, but Pittman, uh, DJ Chark. I put him. I actually have him in front of DJ Chark with DJ Moore playing. That's how far DJ Chark has fallen. Wow, you and you and DJ Chark are going to have to have some like off-season counseling or something. <laughs> you love this guy. I do. I don't. I don't love the situation. I don't love what I've been watching. I tell this for everybody yeah. out there. If you want to go watch and like learn some films, go. You know, I'm not saying that, like that's going to sound condescending because everything I said sounds condescending. But you know, watch <laughs> DJ Chark and you'll see that the timing is just not there. He comes around, he breaks off a comeback route, and the ball's not there. And I don't want to put all of it on the quarterback. I don't want to put it all on DJ Chark because it's kind of a combination. But when you have a, both, mm-hmm. it's you know what, similar to the Atlanta defense in a different way. You know, they're terrible against the pass. They're okay against the run, so it makes it look better. Well, there's problems at quarterback. There's problems at DJ Chark. So it's making the situation look even worse because you're combining two things where it's just not right. If you put, I told you, Justin Fields on this team next year, DJ Chark, top 20. (laughs) Done. That's what I was going to bring up. And Brandon, you believe how fickle this guy is? He was Mr. Jaguars last season. Monday show, he's pushing Gardner Minshew out of there to get Justin Fields in there. Today, he's saying, play everyone over DJ Chark. This is crazy. Yeah, but he, you know, he once he makes a decision, he sets and sets his mind to it. That's it, you know. It's uh, once you turn, there's no, there's no waffling. I don't Shanahan it. You know, I expect. Yeah, exactly. Yo, let's get you a starting gig in the uh, head coaching gig in the NFL, Jake. That would be great. We would know exactly what. To oh, expect. the players would quit by week three. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, that's, that's actually not a bad, uh, not a bad point there. Um, hey, guys, let's wrap things up. Tight end position here. All right, so I've got this listed here. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Robert Tunyon, Rob Gronkowski, Dallas Goddard, Eric Ebron, Hunter Henry, and Evan Ingram. I almost said Bobby Ingram. Ten guys, ten tight ends. If you have any of them, even though Ingram, Henry haven't really done a a whole lot for you, you're starting those guys unless you somehow have two of them. I disagree with one. (laughs) Who do you disagree with? Evan Ingram. There's there's no way. If Daniel Jones is out there, there's no way. If Colt McCoy is out there, it's just as bad. Like I I, I can't start Evan Ingram because – He's not going to get the opportunities with Colt McCoy, 
and Daniel Jones isn't 100%. So he's not going to get the he's just not going to get the opportunities. I still have him inside the top 15 because tight end's mm-hmm. miserable, but I don't think he's a must start this week at all. Yeah, all right, well, li- it still plays you listed the- him last here on the, that list anyway, so he was yeah. 10. Look yeah, at you saying. making the tight end position sound so robust with 10 it's not guys. Robust. Oh, I'm, not saying, I'm just saying that if you have one of those guys, you're almost certainly starting them. I mean, it, it's yeah. not that I think that right. Eric Ebron is this unbelievably well, swap, swap, great start. It, swap Ingram him, for Noah Fant. There you go. Now you still have 10. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, put Noah Fant in there, assuming he's able to go on Thursday night. Uh, or that's not that's not that's a Saturday game, not the Thursday game. But either way, put Noah Fant in there. Whatever. Let's say you don't have one of these guys. Who's your favorite guy to go to? Uh, Jake, you first. Okay, uh, <sighs> what? Wait, you're worried I'm going to take your guy? Is that what that was? Probably. I mean, it's, it seems like one obvious one. All right. I mean, well, then you go. I go guess ahead. I have two. So go ahead. I mean, I think Irv Smith is. The oh, guy, that's, right? that's like, not even where I was going. I was worried about Kyle Rudolph. Coming okay. <laughs> yeah. Even still, and it, you know, I I think. I still would feel decent about Irv Smith, even with Kyle Rudolph back. Uh, it's a great matchup against the Bears in terms of what the Bears have given up to the tight end coming off a good game. So he would be the guy I would throw out there. Uh, go ahead and tell me yours, Jake, since he wasn't one of them. <laughs> no, he wasn't. I'm going to go for the number one tight end on his team and also a great matchup who got vultured by the backup tight end, Jimmy Graham. And I'm going to go Cole Komet. Cole Komet, oh. I think, is top 15 play at this. If you look at what he's been involved in, seven targets, seven targets, highly involved recently. If I'm in on Mitch Trubisky, I'm going to be in on Cole Komet, who has been out there running as the number one tight end uh, for all intents and purposes, Brandon. I do have I have Komet, Irv Smith, Jared Cook, back-to-back-to-back as three plays that you could roll the dice on, mostly because the Chiefs are vulnerable to tight ends. I hate trusting Taysom Hill, but if he's going to have to be throwing like he has the past two games, Cook is back in play as a desperation tight end play. Yeah, Komet was my on my short list as well. So, yeah, that makes sense. I'm right there with you on him. Look at you guys. Just love the Chicago Bears Kumbaya. against the Vikings yeah. in Week 15. <laughs> just riding with the Bears in the fantasy football semifinals. Uh, one more thing I lied. I want one more thing. Then we'll wrap the show up. Last thing we'll get into the show. We've been doing it for the last few weeks, so you know oh, what's geez. coming. Week 15 prediction, you'll bet the house on. I already have one, so I'll give mine first, give you guys a little bit more time to think about it. Those four rookie rookie running backs that we talked about earlier in the show, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, I'm going to say three of them finish as top ten running backs this week. Wow. You ready, Brandon? Yeah. Give me three me... of those guys in the top ten. Um, Boom. Yeah, I'm not sure. Boom. I'm, Mic drop. I'm ready. <laughs> Pen drop. Hopefully you heard it. I'm going to. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll say that Jalen Hurts or Taysom Hill finishes outside the Pick quarterback one. top twenty. You, you did that last week too. Pick uh, one. Uh, uh, Taysom Hill. Ooh, All right. I like it. Outside the top twenty. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say we have a top ten quarterback and two top fifteen wide receiver performances, all from the same team, the LA Rams. Oh, very nice. Look at that. Mm. I like that. And I like the diversity of, uh, of options too, right? Uh, some, some team <laughs> predictions, some individual player predictions, some good, some bad. All good. All good on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. And we definitely hope everything we've talked about helps you advance to your championship games. Uh, this show is going to be over for this episode, but we still have two more episodes coming to you later this week. The first of those coming tomorrow. Jake will be back and he'll be here with Nando DeFino and Eric Moody, the three of us. We return as a trio on Monday to talk about what we saw in week 15 and get you ready for your championships, assuming that you have advanced. So for Brandon and Jake, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you soon. Until then, have yourselves a great day, a great weekend. Let's get some W's and get to our fantasy championships. 